Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on his word as we hear it this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for its truth. We're thankful for its revelation of the way of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. We ask that your spirit would be in our midst, that as we hear your word proclaimed, that your spirit would would work this word into our souls and call us to see what it means to follow Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we look at God's word this morning, our text is Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. And here Jesus' teaching relates to to the advance of his kingdom. It's important to remember this as we prepare for Easter and as we anticipate uh, remembering and reflecting on the triumphal entry or, and also the, the death of Jesus and his resurrection. How does his work, how does his journey, how does his teaching that we have before us here advance his kingdom? You see, Jesus conquers today as he did in his own day, not with a sword, but by his teaching. The Lord extends his kingdom through the grace of preaching and teaching his word. It's not through political submission. It's not through manifestations of physical power, but with a summons of spiritual surrender. We're called to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ, to lay down everything and follow him. The teaching that we have in Luke 19 needs to be set against the backdrop of Luke 18 and the rich young ruler. Luke ties them together beautifully here in his gospel account. We, we need to, to have ringing in our minds what Jesus has taught with regard to this rich young ruler, a man who was neat and tidy, who, who was motivated to follow the law, who had been doing so from his youth and yet was so far away from the kingdom that Jesus alerted his disciples and alerts us to this reality as well, that it's difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples respond, well, this seems to be impossible. And Jesus is teaching us what is impossible for man is possible for God. Jesus is showing the character of his kingdom conquest. His mission is to seek and to save the lost. And there's a particular impossibility about that. And so Jesus redeems Zacchaeus to display and to show us the grace and the conquest of the kingdom of heaven. He came to seek and to save the lost. As we look at this word this morning, as we listen to what God's word is teaching us, as it's opening up for us the wonder of Jesus' mission and his ministry, there's three points that I would like us to consider. First of all, the sitting, or excuse me, the setting, the setting of what is taking place with this man named Zacchaeus. Secondly, the call, and thirdly, the effect. So the setting, the call, and the effect. Now think about this, after, after all that the disciples had heard Jesus say about how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
It's important to understand the setting that Luke takes us to. First of all, there's the city, Jericho. He entered Jericho and was passing through. Jericho had been rebuilt centuries earlier, and it wasn't some backwater town. It was actually a very wealthy city. It was a resort town, maybe like Queenstown, where people go who have money to spend. King Herod had, had built another palace there. It was, it was a nice place to go and to get away from it all. There are two reasons for Jericho's wealth. Its location, it was on the trade route. It was the doorway to Judah. So anyone traveling from Jerusalem or anyone traveling from Judah and, and going elsewhere had to pass through. So it was, a, it was a natural place where the tax collectors would gather. It was, it was the doorway into the area. And so it had a very prominent location. But also had a, had a favorable location and the climate and soil around there was just right for growing a variety of different types of trees. And one of those trees that grew near Jericho was the balsam tree. And these trees produced an ointment that was fragrant. It smelled good. It was soothing and highly regarded for its healing properties. It was for those who wanted help. They would, they would look to Jericho for that special ointment. And now Luke, in, in his gospel account, is, is referring to Jesus' trip to Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem. Luke earlier said that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem and he wouldn't be deterred. He wouldn't be turned aside. He wouldn't, he wouldn't follow every rabbit trail, every opportunity. He had to get to Jerusalem and he was on a direct march to, to that area. And, and what Luke writes here in, in Verse 1, and he entered Jericho and was passing through. We would expect that. Jesus, just keep passing through. You've just said it's hard for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus, the work here is too hard. Keep going to Jerusalem. Just pass your way. There's blind beggars around the city. One of them would be Bartimaeus. And oh yeah, there's social implications for that. But Jericho. And then there's this man, the person Zacchaeus. Consider what, what the text writes and what, what Luke writes about, about this man. Zacchaeus is, is a man whose name means righteous or just one. It's laughable. If ever there was a, a name that didn't fit a man, it was this. Because Luke highlights two things about this man. He was the chief tax collector and he was, he was rich. Rich. Jesus, just pass on by. This man has two strikes against him. He's not just a tax collector. Boys and girls, a tax collector in that day was, was someone who worked for the Roman government. As a Jew, he would have been a traitor. He would have been regarded as someone who, who played and... and played for the other side, played for the other team. He betrayed his country. The way the taxes worked in the, that day is, is there was a quota that was imposed upon a region. The rates and the rules were never publicized, so nobody knew how much needed to be gathered. And they didn't use a, a, a good taxation system where everybody could calculate ahead of time how much taxes they'd have to pay. Instead, there were these men who were, who were employed by the Roman government and, and they would use bribery and extortion. 
And it was in that way, in that place, that you would pay to get your way. This is more along the lines of uh, a racketeering, criminal activity. And Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He'd, he'd clawed his ways up through the ranks. And as someone who was in charge of all these criminals and someone who was a traitor to Israel, he was despised by the people. And he was rich. A well-known citizen. People knew the amount of money that he had because it was readily displayed for them to see. And the crowds knew him. In fact, when Jesus goes in to dine with him, they grumble because they all, best man, they all knew his character. Do you hear what God's word is showing us? impossible impossible for someone like Zacchaeus someone who'd sold out impossible for him to enter the kingdom of God if it's difficult if it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle if it's easier for that camel than it is for the wealthy to here is the greatest impossibility. He doesn't belong and yet, yet for some reason he's drawn to see Jesus. And what a contrast this is. Jesus. Jesus is poor. He doesn't have a place to rest his head. He's dependent on others for his provision. Jesus is, is the just one and the righteous one. But it's the one with whom crowds are wondering there's a particular attraction the crowds are following him what a contrast to Zacchaeus and yet even as, as Zacchaeus longs to see this Jesus who is so entirely different from him there's an obstacle and that is the crowd an impediment a hindrance to, to Zacchaeus because of his stature he's a short man and because of his reputation you know how it is with people. If they don't want someone to get their way, they'll, they'll close rank and, and they'll hinder him as much as they can. Nothing overt, but, but hidden, closing rank and trying to keep him from Jesus. But Zacchaeus will not be deterred. Because he's, he's being irresistibly drawn by the Holy Spirit. He forgets himself and like a little child, he climbs the tree to see Jesus. And Jesus redeems Zacchaeus to display the power and the grace of the kingdom of God. I hope we, 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 we get a sense of, of the conclusion that would come in the minds of the disciples. Two strikes against this man, it's impossible. No way. No way. But Jesus redeems him. That's the setting. Secondly is the call. The call. 
Jesus redeems Zacchaeus with this call. He, he calls him by name. There's a whole crowd assembled around him, but only one receives his attention. Zacchaeus. And when Jesus calls him, it's not an invitation. Zacchaeus, come check me out. I've got some things to show you. He, he calls him. It's a demand. Grace places a claim upon your life. I must go to your house. I must inhabit your heart. I must have your attention. Isn't grace an amazing thing that's being displayed here? It, it requires and enables you to respond. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And without hesitation, he receives him joyfully. Joyfully. People of God, this call comes to you this morning. This call of the gospel, this call of grace, this call of Jesus. God knows you. God has planned for you to be here this morning, to hear of the, the wonder of the work of Jesus Christ. Last week, as we, we listened to God's word from Peter, and, and we were warned, we are alerted to judgment. There is certainty of death. All flesh must die. The king is coming again. He is coming in judgment, and there will be no one who will escape his scrutiny. Yet today, today is the day of salvation, and now God calls you with that saving word of the gospel, of the work of Jesus Christ, and he summons you. What does the kingdom of God look like? What sort of citizen is, is, is in that kingdom of God? It's one like Zacchaeus, a repentant and obedient child. Someone who, who knows their character, who knows their sin and doesn't hide it, but comes to the Savior and acknowledges all and surrenders to him. Jesus redeems Zacchaeus. Let's make it more personal. Jesus redeems his children, is calling you to this salvation. And where you embrace it by faith, he's calling you to display and to know the grace of the kingdom of God. That's the call. It's the gospel call. It's the gospel summons. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And that's an effective call. It works. It seems impossible. How is that ever possible that that would happen? But that is precisely what Jesus is doing. With these words, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. There's a heart change. It's glorious how this works. So thirdly, we need to consider the effect, the effectiveness, the certainty, the possibility in the face of the impossibility. The kingdom of God is a, is a kingdom of grace. Salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus. Today, salvation has come to this house. When Jesus is followed, those are amazing words, glorious words, aren't they? 
Any words that you can say? Is this what Jesus would say about you? Today salvation has come to this house. Is this what God would say about us? Today salvation has come because there's, there's a child of God here who, who has seen their condition, who has seen their worthiness of judgment and has said, there's a Savior who's worth following. We see this effect in the different reactions between the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. Between the rich young ruler who who goes away sad because he's very wealthy and and he thought in his way of thinking as as someone who was who was used to to using what he had to get what he wanted that he could approach Christ that he could gain salvation that he could gain the kingdom in that way Jesus give, just give me one more thing to do. You see, God's word is teaching us here the, the, the wonder of the effect of the kingdom. You, you don't give to gain the kingdom. You leave everything for the sake of the king. You see the difference? You don't give to gain the kingdom of heaven. The problem was, as the rich young ruler had the wrong approach, one more thing, one more thing for me to accomplish, one more thing for me to do, and Jesus says, you need to leave it all and come follow me. I am your Savior, you are not your own Savior. You don't give to gain the kingdom of heaven, but you leave everything. Zacchaeus left his reputation, was willing to act like a child, to climb the tree, to see this Jesus. He was astounded, drawn irresistibly by the Spirit to be attracted. When, when Jesus made this gospel demand to come to his house, he, he didn't put in any objections. He, he willingly received him with great joy. You leave everything for the sake of the King. People of God, you must realize how lost you are. This is what the rich young ruler missed. I'm not that bad. I can do one more thing. I have it secure. That's not the character of God's kingdom of grace. The kingdom is given as a gift. We may not cheapen this. Because it's a gift, you will leave everything. It's a gift that has that power to cause you to let everything go. Seems impossible, doesn't it?
If we're slow to obey, if we're concerned about what we have to give up in order to, to live as a Christian, if we have the calculator running about what this means, I have to leave behind. Then you really haven't savored and understood the fullness of the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. We need to pause a moment and consider the wonder of Jesus' way. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The lost. Jesus came to seek. He passes by the whole crowd and he seeks out this one man who is lost. Thoroughly lost. And not only does he seek, but he saves. And that's you and me. It's the power of the gospel to save and to change those who are lost. Does the, the, impossible, of, the, the, the impossible character of God's work bring you joy? That, that this isn't something you've grown up in. It isn't something you've, you've matured to. It's not just for adults. It's, it's something for us all to sit back and realize the wonder that without the grace of God, we're lost. Does the impossibility of what God has done allow you to leave everything behind and bring joy and gratitude to your souls that having Jesus and knowing his salvation and knowing him as the Savior is worth more to you than anything else in this world? You see, Jesus didn't just tell this rich young ruler, go sell everything and give it to the, for, give it to the poor and then, then work your way out. He says, and come follow me. Be my disciple. Overwhelming impossibilities. God's kingdom is a place where we see that God by grace overcomes the impossible. Don't give up on the power of God that is shown here in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't allow your familiarity with what God does through the gospel to undermine the reality of this impossibility. Do you realize that every week, every week, as we, we sit in God's presence, as we come before our God, we are faced, we're coming face to face with impossibilities. It's impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God if they will not surrender everything.
to Jesus Christ. You know the rich who are being talked about are not people who are, who are in the, the, the top echelon of society. According to the standards of Jesus, according to the standards of society, we as Westerners are some of the most wealthy people in the world of history. In history. We have more wealth in our day-to-day existence than kings in times past have had. It's impossible. Praise God for Zacchaeus. A man who doesn't deserve it. Who couldn't earn it. Who was so desperately lost that no one would give it. Jesus, just pass on by. There's nothing for you to do in Jericho. There's nothing for you to do in the Reformed Church of Hastings. We're face to face with the impossibility. We're lost. We're lost. We've been working through this in the Heidelberg Catechism, and I'm always struck by this notion as well. There's another impossibility. It's impossible. It's impossible for those engrafted into Christ not to produce fruits of gratitude. You see how liberating grace is? How, how astoundingly effective it is? This rich young ruler counted the cost and what he had was way too valuable to provide for the poor. There's no way he's going to leave it all behind because he, that's his security. But Zacchaeus, the scoundrel, this one who was the chief tax collector, this one who didn't belong, when Jesus comes to him and when Jesus eats with him and when Jesus bestows his grace upon him, what does he do? He looks at his wealth and he says, there's no value in it. I'll give half of my goods to the poor and whatever I've taken wrongly, I will restore fourfold. Where does he get that from? He gets that from the Old Testament. That's the law. He starts to fulfill the law of God in a way that is prompted and provoked by grace. It's impossible for those engrafted into Christ not to produce fruits of gratitude. But what will it take to be engrafted into Christ? It doesn't take your contribution. It doesn't take your talents and your energies. It takes the grace of a Savior who calls you and says, I know you. Come to me. I must be with you. Receive me with great joy and trust me. Because the Son of Man redeems Zacchaeus and redeems his people to show that he has come to seek and to save the lost. You and me. Amen. Let's pray together.